All right, time to bring in our college football insider, Riley Jensen, joins us now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. What's going on? Uh, we just talked a little uh, BYU football with David Nixon, and he was talking about uh, BYU's advantage in the line, but the fact that Troy's got a lot of athletes at the skill positions, and they got speed, and they can make big plays. Uh, depending on where you look, BYU's favored by 14 or 15 points. Do you see the game the way David Nixon does and the way the Vegas uh, gamblers seem to? Yeah, it, it feels like to me that that's about right. I do, I do think that if you're a BYU fan and you're watching this game on TV, you're going to be frustrated a, a few times during the game with the athleticism of Troy. There are there are always some skill positions and and maybe one or two guys on the offensive or defensive line that are that are super athletic. They don't have the depth of BYU. They don't have the overall athleticism of BYU. But I do think this game is a little bit is a little bit closer than people think. But I also <laughs> Excuse me. I promise that's just allergies. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that um, when when it, when it comes down to it in this game, I think BYU wins by just a little bit more than that. I I see them winning by seventeen to twenty one points. Um, they're just they're going to be too physical on the offensive and defensive lines, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Troy to come into an empty stadium. To, to come and 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 be able to, I guess, play their best football at BYU. I I've always thought, personally, this is just my thought as a former player that traveling and and playing on the road isn't as big of a function of um, that. There's there's people in the stands rooting against you as. You're staying at a different hotel. You've been in an airplane. You're using a pillow and laying in a bed that you normally don't lay in. If you're not careful with your routines and those sorts of things, you you can get out of sorts really quick and feel lethargic going into a game. And so that's usually why upperclassmen play a little bit better on the road than, than young players do is because they're just used to the routine a little bit and they understand how to get to sleep and 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 deal with the distractions the way that you need to. I don't think it's as big a function as the fans. It's just you're out of sorts a little bit. So I've been in this business a long time, and you talk to offensive coordinators. Uh, we want balance. You know, you can just you hear it roll off their tongue. The cliche: if you're moving the ball, whether it's specifically you're having a tremendous amount of success through the air or on the ground. Is balance overrated? Um, I don't. He, he, so I'll take a little bit di- different direction on the answer to this. <laughs> when the, the reason why you want balance is it means you can run and throw, and 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 it just makes it easier to call as an offense. Um, I've been in situations where I can run the ball every play, I can pass the ball every play, and pretty much I'm going to look like a hero because I have a great team. And when I when I don't have a great team, I'm I'm usually forced into being one dimensional. Either all I can do is run the ball, or all I can do is pass the ball. That's a much more difficult situation um, to be in. And if I had to choose one, if I was one dimensional and all I could do was one, 
believe it or not, as a former quarterback, I, I would want to be able to run the football. Um, so the balance that they're talking about, I mean, it's a little bit ambiguous in, in my opinion because balance to one team could mean 60-40. Balance to another team could be 40-60% on that balance. And so, uh, you know, I – I used to I used to think that I wanted my team to be 50-50 overall, but that, that that would be hidden a little bit in the fact that at the end of games we were able to run the ball to, to, to kind of run out the clock. And so it was really that we were 60% pass, 40% run, and then we were winning ball games at the end, and so we were running out the clock. We were, we were padding running stats to make us look 50-50. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, it, it might it might be a little bit overrated because everybody has a different definition on on what balance means. So what does what does balance mean to them, right? So Riley, you and I were talking about uh, high school football quarterbacks this week, and it seems like you it's kind of something you've been on for the last couple of years, but I think you see the trend kind of intensifying a little bit here that the quarterback play we've seen. Offensive linemen, defensive linemen, kickers, linebackers, on down the line get recruited here. But we haven't seen a lot of quarterbacks. But you feel like the quarterback play is improving. So I guess, why is the quarterback play improving? Why do you think we're about to see more guys get recruited? And what has to happen for that to to take place? Well, first of all, you know, to to be a dual-threat quarterback – you don't have to be a 4-4 guy. You don't have to be unbelievably talented. You, you want to be fast. You want to be one of the faster guys. You want to be. You, you need to be in the 4-6 range to be able to be a dual threat. And I'm seeing quarterbacks all over the state of Utah that are able to throw and uh, run the ball. What I'm what I'm waiting for, and this is why I'm rooting for guys like Zach Wilson. I'm I'm rooting for guys like Cam Cooper at Washington State, and I was. Um, just I, I, I've been trying to get what I really want to see in the state of Utah is I want to see a quarterback break through to the next level. You know, Boone Abbott, who's at Hawaii. I want I want somebody to break through to the next level and really light it up because I think that there's more quarterbacks worth recruiting in the state of Utah that are Division One quarterbacks than what are currently being offered. And that doesn't mean that they're not getting offered to the Snow Colleges. They're not getting offered to the to, to Weaver State and the Southern Utah, but I think there's some big time quarterbacks in the state, and I want those guys to do well. I want Zach Wilson to do well, Cam Cooper, Boone Abbott, these guys to do really well on the next level, so it'll open up the doors for future quarterbacks. Because I mean, all you have to do is turn on a, a Friday night game, and there's quarterbacks running for 200 and throwing for 200. There's quarterbacks throwing for 400 yards and six touchdowns. There's a quarterback over here that's being really solid for his team. And, yeah, he only threw for 214 yards, but he was 14 for 15 for his team. And I just think I just think the quarterback play continues to get better in the state of Utah. And I, I really want him to break through on the next level so that people not just come in here for what I call the meat and potatoes, which is, you know, offensive, defensive linemen, tight ends, and fullbacks and linebackers. I want him to come in for some of these wide receivers, for some of these, for some of these quarterbacks that are really good, because I, I, I think that they can succeed on the next level. A lot of talk about the Pac-12 getting back together and starting 
as a player when you were playing, how much time did you need from the time you started practice or training to be game ready? Well, it's a little different than when I was playing because I remember the first year I was at Utah State, we had 17 days of two-a-days in a row, right? I mean, it was a it was a grind. I mean, 17 days of two-a-days is, is dinosaur-like now. They, they look at us like, what in the world were you trying to do to people? But it gave us an opportunity to get a lot of reps in, to know what the plays were. Yeah, we were a little banged up. We were a little nicked up at the end of two days. But to me, to me, I think – I think you probably need three weeks of at least one-a-days with meetings, right, um, to be in, in, in good enough game shape. No one's going to be in true game shape till third or fourth game into their season. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't mean to say this in the, in the wrong way, but I, I feel like players are lifting and working out and running all the time. I actually feel like I, I actually feel, and I've come full circle on this because I used to think it was so important to be in shape and do those things. But I actually feel like um, conditioning and being in shape, in air quotes, is more about mental toughness than it is about physical toughness. All of these teams by game three, game four, are in great game shape. There, there's not a problem with game shape. But the teams that got in shape earlier seem to have a mentality. They seem to have a thought process that says, hey, nobody's worked harder than us. I'm a little bit tired here in the fourth quarter, but there's no way that guy's not more tired than me on the other side of the ball because we worked our trash off all season. And I think it just gives a mental edge to teams. So, yeah, I think, I mean, they're talking about four weeks, sure. Three weeks, sure. I honestly think you could go two weeks and you could get it done. But but right now we live in a CYA world, right? You gotta you gotta cover your assets, and and um, there's a lot of different things going on as far as health and injury and all that kind of stuff, and nobody wants to look bad. So to me, they're probably going to err on the side of going a little bit longer than shorter. So in the NFL, we saw just a whole series of ACL injuries. There are some other injuries too, and I think some of them can just be explained that there's injuries every week in the NFL, especially the contact injuries with the way people get hit and fall on each other and all that. But there were some odd injuries out in space that didn't seem normal. Do you, do you think they missed the preseason games on some level and you know playing a couple series in one game and then a quarter and then a half? Does that really matter, or was this just bizarro bad luck? And, and I wonder how it translates to these colleges as they restart as well. Well, I feel like it's a little bit of bizarre or bad luck, but here's here's where I think college game is a little bit different than the pro game. There's there's a lot more time on your own in the off season. Yeah, they have OTAs. Yeah, they have some things, but there's a lot of time where you're working out on your own. And if if some of these professionals who are making a lot of money, um, you know, they're 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 living through COVID. You know, maybe maybe they just want to – if they don't have the mindset to make sure that they're being a pro, you know, it, it could lead to, to lack of working out. Now, here I am, you know, way out of shape talking about somebody like Joey Bosa, you know, hitting a knee injury and saying he might be out of shape. But I, I, I feel like there's more, there's more of that. There's more 
room for error in the program than there is in college game. In college, it's like you show up, you go to the weight room every day, it's on the board, you've got to kick it out. You've got to be, you've got to do what's asked of you or else there's penalties. There's penalties of, you know, running extra. There's penalties of not being included on, you know, the travel team, those different things. So sometimes I think it's that, but I, I, I probably lean towards a bizarro world type thing. Um, I just don't, I just don't know that, you know, I mean, most of the time when you see a knee injury and there's nobody around them, it's pretty serious, right? It's, it's the knee injury. The knee injuries that I worry about are the guys that are avoiding hitting people in the head and they're, they're taking people's knees out. I feel like, and, and this is just me, this is just my opinion, but I watch the NFL and I watch college football and man, I would be covering up my knees now. It, it's, it's definitely changed since we had the concussion panic a few years ago. Like everybody's taking knees out, and I just, I just look at it and go, "Woof, that this is a tough game." Because because those knees, I mean, that's their weapons. A lot of these guys, that's their weapon, right? But it's interesting. I I, I wonder, you know, for a while there in the NFL, every, it seemed like every single field was that astroturf, right? And everybody moved away from it because there were some injuries and there was problems with blown out knees and ankles. And I feel like it's creeping up again. So I'm wondering about the quality of all this field turf that's going on. And if we have to move back to natural grass type stuff to, to, to get rid of some of these injuries, because these guys are more powerful, they're bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been. How can you cover up and protect your knees, though, in the actual game? Well, like, I mean, it's tough, but what I'm saying is, like, I might wear a knee brace on my left knee that could be exposed when I'm throwing the ball as a quarterback, right? Just, I'm not injured, but I might wear one for the extra protection, right? I might, I mean, it is hard. That's what, that's what I'm saying, but how do you do that as a wide receiver? I don't know. Maybe you catch the ball over the middle, you get down quicker, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe there's guys that are playing in the NFL right now that are thinking to themselves, like, hey, for me to extend my career, I'm going to get as many yards as I can, and then I'm going to get down without taking a big hit. You know, I, I the knee it's hard with the knees. It is, and the I don't think I don't think that guys are so worried about the helmet to helmet contact as like I, I think most of these defensive backs would go for the big shot by going helmet to shoulder or taking their shoulder and going shoulder to shoulder and taking advantage of the situation. But there's just too many calls that are ambiguous now. Like, you know, you could have a really, really good hit from from your shoulder to their shoulder, and you can still get flagged, and they can still call it targeting, and there's a chance you're going to be out and you're going to get fined. So they're like, well, screw that. I'm, I'm going from belt buckle and lower to hit, and I'm just going to make a big hit. And you know what? If a knee is collateral damage, I mean, I'm just playing by the rules. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'm not trying to hurt people, but I got to get people down. So it's 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 a tough situation. I think I, I I I don't know the statistics. My guess would be that knee and ankle injuries are up since the concussion panic of what 2015 2014. So one uh, one pro football quarterbacking question for you. Is Russell Wilson the best quarterback in the NFL right now? Do the Chiefs or the Packers have the best quarterback? Are you surprised how well Cam Newton is playing right away in New England? 
Um, it's fun for me to see Cam Newton play really well. He is still he is he still struggles to throw the ball. It's really really hard for me to watch him throw the football. It looks painful to me. But I like the fact that he's in the the Patriot system where he can where he can have some short throws and kind of take advantage of the offense there. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how Cam does through the through the length of the season because he's got to be able to throw the ball downfield a little bit. Um, but to me, right now, Russell Wilson uh, for a few years has been the most underrated quarterback in the NFL, and I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. The touch that he has on the deep ball, um, the ability that he has to make plays with his feet and his arm, and he's just so cool, calm, and collected. I, I just don't know that there's anybody as good as him right now. He's really fun to watch. Um, and as good as he is on the deep ball, he's not forcing those throws. I mean, he, he takes what the defense gives him, and when they give him a deep ball, he's money. And, I, you know, as an offensive coordinator, when I was when I was coaching – I really felt like there was going to be between three and five legitimate shots downfield in a game. I felt like if, if we got three to five um, legitimate throws downfield and we completed two or three of those, that it was going to be a big game for us. It's hard to complete a high percentage of deep passes, and it feels like every time I see him throw the ball deep, it's complete. And, it, and it's really, really just amazing to watch. He's really, really fun to watch. Well, Riley, you know, RSL has been struggling to get the full three points at home. Uh, you know, you worried about them taking advantage of the three at home and to get into the postseason? <laughs> we're, all, we're all hoping that RSL does very well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they need to do against the Galaxy? <laughs> I think that I'm a football analyst and that, um, that it's a beautiful game. Two thirds of the game. world, they call it football, Riley. <laughs> I know, I know. It's the beautiful game, you know. When they're out on the pitch tonight, I'm excited to watch. If I ever find out that you took a contract to be a mental coach for a soccer team, any soccer team anywhere on the planet, man, am I going to have some it things to say RSL. to Roscoe Tanner? <laughs> it would be RSL. That would be the place that I would want to be anywhere, anywhere on the planet. If I find that out. All right, Riley, we appreciate it as always. You're the man. All right, guys.